ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد then to continue with al-Salatha the three fundamental principles of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah then with the explanation of Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan hafizahullah then last, last week we began the third of the three fundamental principles knowledge about our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so just to quickly run through some of the points some of the many points that we had last week then Shaykh Fawzan mentioned that knowledge about our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this is the third of the three fundamental principles which form the title of the book and this is something obligatory it's obligatory knowledge that we have knowledge about our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam since he was the in, he is the intermediary between us and Allah or rather he's the intermediary between Allah and us with regard to conveying the deen conveying the message in that sense he is the one sent by Allah the most high to convey the religion to us so because of that it's obligatory upon us that we know about him we know who he, who he was where we, where he was from his land where he was born how long he lived there? When he left? Where did he make hijra to? The different stages of his life. That we need to know that. So that therefore we can follow him. We can carry out the obligation upon us to follow him. To worship Allah in the way that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa taught us. For as Shaykh Fawzan pointed out, if we do not know someone, if we do not, do not know a person, how can we follow them? How can you follow someone that you don't know? You're not aware of him. You don't know who he is. You don't know about him. How can it then be said you're going, you have to, you, that you're following him? This will not be correct. First, so first of all, we need to know about him. And the first of the matters is, of course, and, uh, is with regard to his name. And we had the point that Sheikh Fawzan made, that of course the most famous of his names was Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Which occurs in a number of ayahs. And the second name that he had because he had a number of names the second one being Ahmad which also occurs in one ayah of the Quran and both of these are derived from Hamd praise to do with and connected with praise praiseworthy qualities and that he was also called Nabi al-Rahmah the Prophet of Mercy and Nabi al-Malhamah the Prophet of Great War and al-Hashir the one after whom the rest of the people will be resurrected. And Al-Aqib, the last one, the final prophet. And we had something from his lineage that he was Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib, all the way back to the end of his lineage. The son of Abdul Muttalib, the son of Hashim, the son of Abdul Manaf, all the way back to the lineage which you should have in front of you, one of the brothers says, Jazakallah khairan, has copied and it should be handed out in front of you now. So that definitely by, by next week, 
then we should be a, there should be a number of us who, are, who know the lineage or the authentic lineage which is authentic back to Adnan to back to his forefather Adnan so we had that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his great grandfather was Hashim and the sons of Hashim are called the Banu Hashim the children of Hashim the, the clan of Hashim and that Hashim was from the great tribe of Quraysh and that Quraysh was the noblest of the tribes of the Arabs then Sheikh Fawzan mentioned that the Arabs are of two branches Al-Arab Al-Ariba and Al-Arab Al-Musta'raba the, the Arab Al-Ariba the original Arabs the ones who were Arabs before right from, the, right from initially and they were the descendants of Qahtan and Qahtan was from Yemen they are called the original Arabs Al-Arab Al-Ariba and then the second branch the second category of the Arabs was Al-Arab Al-Musta'raba the Arabs who became who lived amongst the Arabs and be, learned the Arabic tongue and intermarried with the Arabs and became Arabs and they are the descendants of Adnan descendants of Adnan from whom the Prophet was descended and they came about and Adnan was from the descendants of Ismail, the Prophet of Allah, Ismail, the son of the, of the Prophet of Allah, the Khalil of Allah, Ibrahim. And we had the, the story, without going into all the details that we had, we had the story about how Ibrahim, alayhi salam, left his only son, his eldest and only son, Ismail, and left him in the place, the waterless place in the desert that later became the city of Mecca with his mother Hajar he was commanded by Allah to leave them there to leave his wife Hajar with his only son Ismail to leave them there so Ibrahim alayhi salam he carried out the command he left them and he went, he went away he went back and we had that Banu a tribe of the original Arabs Banu Jurham well the, Banu Jurham from the descendants of Adna from the original Arabs rather descendants of Qahtan this Banu Jurham that they were passing by and they came and they saw birds circling there they had the long, you know, the story so what, what concluded was that the Banu Jurham they settled in the place by, by the side of Hajar and Ismail and Ismail in later life he married into the Banu Jurham the tribe of original Arabs and they became and his descendants became therefore Arabs Sheikh Fawzan also mentioned a point that some of the scholars derive the, uh, they divide the original Arabs Al-Arabul Ariba again into two categories Al-Arabul Badi'ah Arabs who became extinct passed away and he gave the example the people of Nuh the people of Ad, the people of Thamud the people of Shu'ib and so on early Arabs, original Arabs but they were destroyed by Allah so they passed away they existed and then they were destroyed by Allah passed away and the ones who remained Al-Arab al-Baqiyah the rest of the Arabs who remained and carried on from them, from them the Banu Jurham and then the, the remaining Arabs then they divide into original Arabs and assimilated Arabs so then Shaykh al mentioned the point so the Prophet wasallam was from the Banu Hashim from the descendants of Hashim from the clan of Hashim and he mentions something from the seerah 
with regard to the grandfather of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, obviously the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he was the son of Abdullah, and Abdullah died, as we will we'll see today, inshallah. His father died whilst he was still in his mother's womb. However, at that time, his grandfather Abdul Muttalib he was still alive. And as for Abdul Muttalib, then Sheikh Farzan said. That's a title that was given to him, the slave belonging to Muttalib. But it was not his name. His name was Shaiba. So why was he called the slave of Muttalib? We had the story why he was called that. That Abdul Muttalib's father, Hashim, he married a woman from Medina, Salma, from the Banu Najjar in Medina. And she gave birth to Abdul Muttalib, whose name was Shaiba, in Medina. So when he grew up a little bit, when he was a boy, then his uncle, Al-Muttalib went to fetch him from Medina to bring him to his relatives in Mecca. So his relatives in Mecca, the people in Mecca had never seen this boy before. So he brought him back, a small boy, he brought him, obviously a long journey in those days in the hot sun, so he brought him from Medina to Mecca. And with the heat and the light, he became dark on the journey. When he arrived in Mecca, they saw that Al-Muttalib, they knew his uncle, Al-Muttalib, and they saw a little boy with him who was very dark, so they thought he was a slave belonging to him, never seen him before. They thought he was a slave, so they called him and they said about him, it's Abdul, that's Abdul Muttalib, it's a slave of Muttalib. So he said, no, it's not my slave, it's my nephew. But the title stuck with him, Abdul Muttalib. And that was the grandfather of the Prophet So Abdul Muttalib was the, one of the four sons of Hashim. We had also the point that Ibrahim, السلام, the Prophet, the Khalil of Allah, that he had, as we said, mentioned before, he had the son Ismail. And he had a second son, Ishaq. And from the second son, Ishaq, came all of the later prophets, the prophets of Banu Israel. They came through from the descendants of Ishaq. So all the prophets after that, they came from the descendants of Ishaq, except for one. Except for our prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who came from the other son, from Ismail, the first son. And we had that the Prophet ﷺ was born in the year Amul Fil, the year of the elephant. And that he was born in the shit of the cleft in the mountain, the cleft of what's later called uh, the cleft of Ali, Shi'ab Ali, who was before was known as Shi'ab Abi Talib, or was before was known as Shi'ab, the mountain cleft of the Banu Hashim. And that he was born in the year of the elephant. And we had the story of the elephant, this Abraha, that tyrant who came and tried to, wanted to destroy the Kaaba. We had that whole story and the eyes, that the eyes came down in Surah Al-Fil with regard to that. The 105th Surah of the Qur'an described that story, what happened to Abraha, how he came, he plotted to destroy the Kaaba, he came with, upon a great elephant with an army, and how he was destroyed by Allah. Then the text then continues on page 248 of this Lebanese edition, page 193 of the Egyptian print, that Shaykh al-Islam said, وَلَهُ مِنَ الْعُمُرِ ثَلَاثٌ وَسِتُّونَ سَنَةٌ أَرْبَعُونَ قَبْلَ النُّبُوَّةِ وَثَلَاثٌ وَعِشْرُونَ نَبِيًّا رَسُولًا نُبِّئَ بِإِقْرَأَ He said, he lived, obviously, referring to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa All of this principle now, the third principle, is knowledge and awareness of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So he said, 
He lived for 63 years. 40 years before prophethood. And for 23 years as a prophet and a messenger. He was sent as a prophet through Iqra. Through the revelation of Iqra. The, the beginning of the surah, surah Iqra, 96th surah of the Quran, surah Al-Alaq. Sheikh Al-Fawzan said in explanation, so he was born in Mecca, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was breastfed amongst Banu Sa'ad, amongst the tribe of Sa'ad, Banu Sa'ad, with Halima al-Sa'adiyya, with the woman he was sent out into the desert, to that tribe, and a woman from that tribe, Halima al-Sa'adiyya, from Banu Sa'ad, she breastfed him. The Shaykh said, and his father, Abdullah, died whilst he was still in the womb. I mean, the Prophet his father died before he was born. And then his mother died a short time after his birth. As a side point here, Sheikh is indicating that there is some slight difference amongst the scholars about what age was the Prophet when his mother died. And amongst the sayings, there is the report of Ibn Ishaq that he was six years old at that time. Then Sheikh Fazan said, and after, so now his father died before he, before he was born and now his mother died whilst he was still young then he said so he was taken care of by Umm Ayman Al-Habashiyya he was taken care of by Umm Ayman the woman of Abyssinia whom he inherited from his father in Umm Ayman she was a slave girl, from, obviously from Abyssinia, from Africa, Abyssinia. She was a slave girl who was owned by his father. So when his father passed away, then he inherited this slave girl. Obviously she was a woman, a slave woman. He inherited her and she looked after him. And he came to be under the kifala, under the guardianship of his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib. And then Abdul Muttalib died. And his guardianship moved to his paternal uncle, Abu Talib. His guardianship moved to his father's brother, Abu Talib. And he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, lived for 40 years before prophethood, being well known for trustworthiness and truthfulness and generosity. And for avoiding the worship of idols and avoiding the drinking of khamar. He had not used to do what the people of the days of ignorance did. Rather, he, alayhi salatu wasalam, used to go out to the cave of Hira. He used to go to the cave of Hira and worship in it for his at a time. He would worship Allah upon the religious way of Ibrahim, upon Tawheed, and upon singling out Allah with worship. Then, when he reached the age of 40, alayhi salam, the revelation came.
came down upon him such that Jibreel came to him whilst he was in the cave of Hira and said to him Iqra recite so he said Ma ana I can't recite I'm not a reciter I can't recite I don't know how to recite meaning I'm not able to read so he pressed him very tightly and then he released him and said Iqra recite he said I am not a reciter not, a, not able to read not a reciter then he pressed him for a second time Jibreel pressed the Prophet squashed him pressed him then released him and said Iqra recite he said I'm not a reciter I can't recite then he pressed him for the third time then he released him and he said to him Iqra he said I am not a reciter so he said to him Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq khalaq al-insana min alaq Surah Al-Alaq the 96th surah the, first, the initial ayahs of Surah Al-Alaq this being the first two ayahs of Surah Al-Alaq with the explanation recite in the name of your Lord who created who created mankind from a clot of blood created man from a clot of blood Sheikh Al-Fazan said so this was his nubuwa this was his sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prophethood Allah made him a prophet through Iqra meaning he made him a prophet through that and by sending that ayah the that first ayah of the Quran that came down by sending that down to him then he went home he went to his house shaking from fear because he had encountered something which he had not known before an extremely frightening matter so he found his wife Khadija radiallahu anha and she covered him up and calmed him down and she said to him no by Allah he would not Allah would not humiliate you for indeed you maintain the ties of kinship and you show hospitality to the guest and you look after the orphans and you help people who have been struck by calamities Sheikh said so she prepared him and took him to her uncle her paternal uncle Waraka ibn Nawfal and he was a man who had devoted himself to worship and who had read the previous scriptures and who worshipped Allah the mighty and majestic so when he informed him of what he had seen he said this was the Namus this was the spirit who used to descend to Musa the Shaykh said meaning Jibreel alayhi salam and Waraka said to him from his knowledge of the previous scriptures what you have seen it is that same spirit who came used to come to the previous prophets used to come to Musa alayhi salam then comes the saying of Shaykh al-Islam in the continuation of the text with a small heading to begin it the coming down of the revelation to him and the saying of Shaykh al-Islam 
وبلده مكة وهاجر إلى المدينة بعثه الله بالنذارة عن الشرك ويدعو إلى التوحيد والدليل قوله تعالى يا أيها المدثر قم فأنذر وربك فكبر وثيابك فطهر والرجز فهجر ولا تمن تستكثر ولربك فاصبر سورة المدثر الآيات الأولى إلى السابعة الشيخ said and he was sent as a messenger with al-muddathir his land was Mecca and he made hijrah migration to al-Madinah Allah sent him to warn against shirk and to call to tawheed the proof is his saying and he quoted the first seven ayahs of surah al-muddathir 74th surah ayahs 1 to 7 Ya ayyuhal muddathir First ayah, all the way to the seventh ayah With the explanation O you wrapped in garments Arise and warn And exalt your Lord And purify your deeds Or your garments And shun the idols And do not give anything in order to receive more in return and patiently persevere for the sake of your Lord. Shaykh Fawzayan, he said, so it's already mentioned that he became a prophet through sending down of the first ayah that came down. So, the beginning of Surah Al-Alaq. Iqra' bismi rabbika al-nabi khalaq. Now he mentioned that he moved on, and he was sent as a messenger by the sending down of the Surah Al-Muddathir. Shaykh Fawzayan said, Then there came down to him his saying, He the Most High, يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّرِ قُمْ فَأَنْذِرِ The first two ayahs again with the explanation O you wrapped in garments Arise and warn Get up and warn Shaykh Fawzan said This was his being sent as a messenger And this is the meaning of the saying of the Shaykh He was made a prophet Through Iqra and he was sent as a Rasul, messenger with Al-Muddathir then he mentions something that's come a number of times with us the difference, what's the difference between a Nabi, a Prophet and a Rasul, a messenger so he said the difference between a Nabi, Prophet and a Rasul, messenger is that a Prophet, Nabi is one to whom Allah has sent a revealed way but he was not commanded to convey it. Whereas a messenger, a rasul, is one to whom a revealed way was sent and he was commanded to convey it. He said, and the clarification of that is that the messenger, a rasul, is one to whom a revealed law comes down and a book. So he, referring to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he was sent, he was sent as a prophet through Iqra, and he was sent as a messenger through al-Muddathir at the age of forty, and that was the case with the prophets. And a Nabi, a prophet, 
is sent with a revealed law from before him. In Anabi, he's sent with a revealed way, a revealed law of someone who came before him, a messenger who came before him. And with a book which was from before him. And he is entrusted with certain duties. Like the prophets of Banu Israel who came after Musa. Sheikh has given the example that the Anbiya, the prophets, the Anbiya of the Banu Israel, that they came after after Musa, after the messenger Musa alayhi salam. After that, many prophets were sent to reconfirm the same way of Musa alayhi salam. As a side point here, we, there are a number of other things that the scholars mention with regard to a definition of the difference between a Nabi, a Prophet, and a Rasul, a Messenger. Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, in his explanation, he mentions the same thing that was mentioned here. He mentions what's most well known as a, with regard to the difference is what we just heard now. That a Nabi, a Prophet, is one whom had, who had a revealed way sent to him, but he was not ordered to convey it to the people. Not ordered to call the people to it. Whereas a Rasul, then he had the extra duty, he had to call people to that. He said that's the most famous saying, that's the most well-known saying. He said, but what is more befitting, I mean, what's more befitting with regard to correctness, is that a prophet was someone who was sent with a message from someone before him. And he did not have an independent message himself. And a prophet was sent to confirm an earlier message from before. He didn't have an independent and new message himself. So another saying is what Sheikh Abdul Muslim, a Sheikh and a Muhaddith, a great Muhaddith of Medina, Sheikh Abdul Muslim al Abbad, Hafizahullah, what he mentioned in his explanation of the hadith of Jibreel that he said regarding the difference between a prophet and a messenger. He said, a prophet is someone who had revelation sent to him. But he was not commanded to convey it for a certain time. I mean, for a, for a bit of time, for a certain amount of time, he wasn't commanded to convey it. I mean, but after that he was. Or that he was commanded to convey legislation which had come before him, a real way which had already been there before. Whereas a Rasul is someone who had revelation sent to him, he had a revealed way sent to him, and he had a book sent down to him. There's also another definition from Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, as well. Which he had, it came, it came before. which was very briefly that Shaykh al-Salam Taymiyyah said in his book An-Nubuwat that he said the difference is that a prophet a Nabi is one who was sent by Allah the Most High with a, re- a revealed way which Allah commanded him to convey to his followers to his own people his followers not to opponents I mean, like the prophets of Banu Israel 
they were sent, the prophets of Banu Israel were sent to the, their own people, Banu Israel, those who were upon the way of Musa alayhi salam. A prophet, a nabi would be sent to them to call them, his own, call his own people, the, the ones who were already supposed to be believers, to call them and upon that way and correct them upon that way. Whereas a Rasul, Shaykh Hassan Taymiyyah mentioned, whereas a Rasul is one whom Allah the Most High sent with a revealed way to call the whole of the people in his time to it. Whether it be people who opposed or whether it be people who agreed. He had to call, he had to call opponents as well outside to call everyone in, in his area and time to it. Wallahu a'lam. So as we saw, Shaykh al-Fawzan, he quoted what is uh, very often mentioned, that the difference between a prophet and a messenger is that a prophet, a nabi, is one to whom Allah has sent revelation, but he is not commanded to convey it. Whereas a messenger is one to whom Allah sent revelation and he's ordered that he has to convey it, he has to call to it to convey it. Then Shaykh Fawzan said, And al-Muddathir, the Prophet was sent as a messenger through al-Muddathir. He said, al-Muddathir means the one who is wrapped up. It's addressed to the Prophet Ya ayyuhal muddathir What does term al-Muddathir mean? Meaning one who is wrapped up. Because he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was struck by alarm. And when Jibreel came to him, he was struck by alarm. So he said, Dathiruni, Dathiruni, cover me up with garments, cover me up with garments. Meaning, cover me up. So therefore, Allah sent down to him, Ya ayyuhal muddathir, qum fa'andir, wa rabbaka fakabbir. Quoted the first three ayahs from Surah Al-Muddathir again with the explanation: "Oh, you covered in garments, get up and worn, and your Lord, fakabbir." Sheikh Fazan said, meaning exalt him, venerate and exalt him. Kabbir means exalt him, venerate him, adhimhu, wa thiyabaka fatahir. So Sheikh Fazan is now explaining the, the ayahs one by one. وَفِيَابَكَ فَطَحِّرْ Meaning, obviously, normally it will be uh, in the Arabic language, very often people understand that to mean, وَفِيَابَكَ فَطَحِّرْ Meaning, people very often understand, meaning, your garments purify. So, and purify your garments, your thiyab. But Shaykh Fazan said the meaning here is, purify your deeds from shirk. And he explains why. Because the deeds, a person's deeds, his actions, are called thiyab. They're called garments for him. And he gives an example of this. He said, Allah the Most High said, وَلِبَاسُ taqwa ذَلِكَ خَيْرُ Surah Al-A'raf, the seventh surah, ayah 26. With the explanation, and the clothing of taqwa, the clothing of dutifulness to Allah, that is better. Shaykh Hazan said, so taqwa here, dutifulness to Allah, fear of Allah and dutifulness to Allah is called libas, is called clothing. So that's why he mentions that this ayah, the correct understanding of this part of the, uh, this ayah is purify your deeds, your purify your actions from shirk. وَالرُّجْزَ فَهَجُرْ Shaykh Fawzan explains this. He said, الرُّجْز, this word الرُّجْز, which uh, can carry the root meaning of filth, that which is filth. Sheikh Fawzan said, explain this high what's meant here. 
Ar-Rujz, filth here, its meaning is Al-Asnam, the idols. Fahjur, then shun it. Shaykh Fazal said, meaning abandon it, abandon that, and keep well away from them. Abandon them, and keep well away from them. Then he said, so Allah raised him as a prophet at the age of 40. And he remained in Mecca for 13, 13 years, calling the people to Tawheed and to the abandonment of the worship of the idols. And there were many discussions which he had with the people of Shirk. And he suffered harm upon himself and upon those who believed in him and his followers. And the people of Shirk, they caused many difficulties throughout the 13 years. They caused many difficulties throughout the 13 years. And he said, and before the Hijrah, before the migration, three years before it, he was taken on the Isra, he was taken on the night journey to Baytul Maqdis, to Jerusalem. And he stayed in Mecca for 13 years. Three years before the after 10 years in Mecca, Allah the Most High caused him to be taken on a night journey to Jerusalem. And he was taken up through the heavens on the Mi'raj. He was taken up through the heavens. And the five daily prayers were made obligatory upon him. So he prayed in Mecca for three years. And the prayer became obligatory after ten years of prophethood. Three years before the Hijrah, the prayer was made obligatory in Mecca. The Sheikh said, and then, meaning after that three years, and then the Quraysh plotted to kill him and to attack him. So therefore, Allah permitted him to make Hijrah, to migrate to al Madinah. So he performed the migration, the Hijrah, to al Madinah. After he had met with the Ansar, after he had met with deputations of the people of Medina, the Ansar, who became Muslim, after he had met with them, in the pledge of Al-Aqaba, the first one, and the second, the first and second pledge of Al-Aqaba, in the, at the time of pilgrimage, the Prophet ﷺ met with some of them, gave them da'wah, and they accepted Islam. Then they went back on the first pledge, and they gave them a pledge, the first pledge of Aqaba. Then the next year, more of them came, and they also accepted Islam. They gave the pledge to the Prophet ﷺ, the second pledge of Aqaba. The Shaykh said, then he made the hijrah. He migrated to al Madina, And he remained there for ten years. So altogether... It was 23 years, in 23 years of, of prophethood. After prophethood, he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, lived for 23 years. 13 years in Mecca, laying the foundations of the call to Tawheed. And for 10 years in al Madinah. Then Allah took his soul. At the age of 63 years. So his, his lifespan in messengership was 23 years. And this blessing which Allah the Most, the Mighty and Majestic sent down upon him and this abundant knowledge and this jihad and this establishment which he granted him upon the earth was all in this short time 
of 13 years. This is one of the signs of Allah, the Perfect and Most High. Not 13 years, 23 years rather. All of this was in this very, very short period of time of 23 years. Neither 23 years of prophethood from when he was first made a sense of prophet to the end of his, end of his, his mission till he was taken. It was 23 years only. So all this blessing that came about, this tremendous abundant knowledge, this jihad, this establishment that Allah brought about upon the earth, happened in a period of just 23 years. So the Shaykh said, this is one of the signs of Allah, the perfect and most high. And from the blessings given to the Prophet wasallam, and the blessings of his call, and the blessings of the revelation, which was sent down to him, all of that was a result of that. And before all of this, it came about through the aid of Allah, the mighty and majestic. He is the one who helped him. He is the one who defended him and aided him until he conveyed his call to the east and the west. And all praise is for Allah, the Lord of the whole creation. And he said, his saying, Ba'athahullahu bin nidharati anishshirki wa yad'u ila tawheed. That Allah sent him with a warning against shirk and he called to Tawheed. The Shaykh said, This is his call. Sallallahu alayhi wa Warning against shirk and calling to Tawheed. And this is what is obligatory for the callers, for the du'at. This is what is, it is obligatory for the callers to proceed upon in their call. That they should focus upon warning against shirk and calling to Tawheed before everything. Otherwise, their call will not be upon the manhaj, will not be upon the methodology of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Shaykh said, Allah sent the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with warning against shirk and calling to Tawheed. So therefore, it is essential to lay this foundation down. First of all, after that, the person can direct his attention to the rest of the matters. After that has been done. It has been laid down and firmly laid down. Since matters will not be correct and sound except with the presence of Tawheed. So if all of the people were to abandon zina, fornication, and were to abandon khamar, intoxicants, and were to abandon stealing, and they took on every virtuous quality from deeds and behavior. But they did not abandon shirk. Then there would be no benefit in these matters. And they would not benefit them. And all these fine qualities they took on, all these evil things that they left, if they were not upon tawheed, it would not benefit them. Whereas, it was vice versa, but whereas, if the people were to remain free of shirk, but they had major sins, which are less than shirk. Then there is hope for such a person that Allah will forgive him. Either forgive him, or punish him in accordance with the level of his sins. But his final destination will be to paradise. Because he is a muwahid, he is a person of tawheed. So tawheed 
is the fundamental basis and the foundation. And there is no salvation except with the presence of Tawheed, firstly. And therefore, it is obligatory to concentrate upon it and to always give attention to it and to call the people to it and to teach it to the people and to explain it to them. To explain to them what is the meaning of Tawheed and what is the meaning of Shirk. The Muslim must be aware of this matter and attain certainty concerning it. And he should check himself so that he does not fall into anything from shirk or infringe tawheed. So this matter is essential. And the call, the da'wah, must proceed upon this basis. Alhamdulillah, sallallahu ala Muhammad. I'm going to leave what follows until next time, inshallah. And just as a side, just as a point here, there is a bit of the text here which you'll find in all the other versions. What the continuation of the text here is: "Akhda ala hada ashra sinin yadu ila tawheed." He carried this out for ten years, calling to tawheed. So there's a, mit- there's a part of the text missing here, which you'll find in all the other versions. Whoever is memorizing it, you'll need to refer to a different version for the text. The part where the Shaykh al-Islam explains the words of the ayah. وَمَعْنَا قُمْ فَأَنذِرْ يُنذِرُوا عَنِ الشَّرَكِ وَيَدْعُوا إِلَى تَوْحِيدِ وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ أَيْ أَذْذِمْهُ To the end of that. There's a, a, about three lines, two and a half lines of text which are missed out in this edition. Alhamdulillah wa sallallahu ala muhammad. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shahadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfirullah.